Hello, wonderful humans. Welcome back to the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Nerd Talk, Clayton and I go deep with a conversation centered around the concept of mobility. We talk about mobility training, how to make your mobility gains stick, using lifestyle to avoid losing mobility, and we unpack the powerful benefits of a daily practice to maintain your joint mobility in the same way most of us have a daily practice of brushing your teeth. Always a pleasure riffing with Clayton about topics that he's passionate about, and I hope you find the content useful and applicable in your own life. This episode of the show is brought to you by our newly launched education platform called Beam Tribe. The four letters used to spell the word BEAM stand for Bridging Experience and Mindfulness, and although the practice component of the platform is based on the Balanced Beam Training Tool, Beam Tribe also has a theory section that includes content aimed to improve your understanding of concepts related to health and also covers actionable tools that you can start implementing in your life to make progress every day on your health journey. If you visit beamtribe.com, we've made a bunch of videos available for free. And if you want full access to all the content, you can officially join the tribe and support us uh, by purchasing an annual membership, which is 85 Canadian for 2020. This episode of the show is also brought to you by our family of partner brands listed at thefootcollective.com, who've kindly offered discounts or free gifts to our TFC community and also support TFC by, by helping to fund the development and hosting of TFC app. We've developed relationships over time with brands doing awesome work and who align with TFC on the mission to create products that are good for your health and good for the planet. If you go to the footcollective.com and you click on partner brands tab, um, you can see a list of brands that offer you discounts and by purchasing using the links or codes, it helps, it helps us keep TFC app free and evolving without ever having to load it with ads. That's it for sponsors. Let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. Hello, wonderful humans. Nick and Clayton here back for another episode of Nerd Talk. And today we're going to dig deep into the concept of mobility. We've talked about the topic before on the show, but uh, today's sort of about dialing in on some powerful points that can help clarify some of the awareness gaps that we see in the people that we work with or that we see in the conversations kind of coming up online. So um, Clayton is becoming a more regular guest on the show. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with him, but uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time this morning. What's up Clayton? Always man. Yeah. Always, always happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, Clayton, So Clayton and I have been connecting a lot more frequently. Um, he's one of the content contributors for beam tribe. So we've been uh, working together more tightly and we thought that today would be a good opportunity to, sort of clear the air um, and give different meaning to the word mobility. So maybe let's start with a quick comparison of flexibility and mobility. So how would you, how would you define flexibility and mobility? Definitely. And I want to get into that, but first, man, I just want to pause and just say like, dude, beam tribe launching. So we're, we're recording this May 1st and I'm just, I'm so stoked for it, man. Like what a great offering for, for people. And, you know, just to see, all the work and the time and effort you've put into it, James, Felix, like it's just, yeah, all of us. it's, you it's power. Yeah. But I mean, it's powerful stuff and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's exciting. So I just want to put a pin in that underline yeah. it for you. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think this whole COVID situation really put a spotlight on the fact that we need to really level up our digital offering and find ways to connect with people. You know, we get, insane, insanely good feedback from the digital seminar. Like people are, Mm -hmm. you know, I see people posting videos and tagging videos of them just like in their bedroom, going through the seminar, moving, doing all the stuff that we demo. And I was like, okay, we need events are great. And they're going to be part, a big part of our offering. But you know, if you can take the informational aspect of what we try and teach in events and give it to people and, and have them be able to trickle feed that in, in whatever amount they want throughout their life, but then focus on more of the experience side in the event, then you need a powerful digital tool to be able to. And, and the other thing too, that kind of bugged me and it was initially good. is like we film once a year to give people our updated um, kind of content, right? Our updated offering of what we've been learning. Cause 365 days is, is like a decade. If you have a group, a large group of people learning and sharing, mm-hmm. like you really have these compounding effects. So filming once a year, it's like, well, those other 364 days, we're discovering a lot of shit. So why don't we have a platform that we can put stuff, update stuff every single week, every single day, even when we learn something new, record it, send it out to the world and be able to reach people immediately. So I think, uh, beam tribe is going to do that. And yeah, man, I'm stoked to have you on board and to see where this adventure goes, because I think, um, people just need to be, 
I, th- I really feel that the health problem, which is a big problem right now, is fundamentally an awareness problem where people don't know what is causing them the problems. They don't know how simple it is to resolve these problems. And they're not being given the right tools by the medical and rehab community to start taking action themselves in their own lives. So if we can check all those boxes off and create like this digital health community from around the world that is just focused on self-improvement, really good shit's going to happen. I'm, I'm yep. a firm believer. So. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Cool. cool. Uh, so yeah, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to underline that, but um, ah, good tangent. I'm yeah, glad you brought it up. <laughs> Tangents. <laughs> so um, yeah, dude, with mobility training, um, you know, well, mobility all- and flexibility. What's the difference? Yeah. So with mobility training, and again, it's important to to define them and to to kind of have an example of them. So really, mobility training is an active control of your usable range of motion. Um, so that's active and then passive, which is flexibility is basically you pulling yourself into a position that you can't get into without your meat suit, without like engaging the muscles and the tissues to pull you into that position. So, uh, a good example of this and, and, and you can try it if you're listening to the podcast. So go into a seat and, uh, what you're going to do is cross one leg over the other leg. Okay. So it's kind of like uh, for, for anyone who does yoga, it's a seated pigeon, right? So, you know, for cueing purposes, you're crossing your right leg over your left thigh. So your ankle is over your left thigh. Now, the closer you scoot your left foot closer to your sit bones, the more of an end range position that is for your right hip in external rotation. Okay. So now um, this is, this is a state of passive flexibility. You're stretching. Okay. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, but you're stretching. It's, it's a passive modality. There's not as much communication or, you know, force going in there um, aside from just the stretch reflex. Now, if you pulled your left foot as close as you could, your sit bones, you're going to find the deepest stretch. Now, if you tried to, lift that right ankle off of that left thigh in that end range position, chances are you're not going to be able to do it. I know maybe one person who could do it and that's Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> that so, yeah. So yeah. Um, but anyways, that that's an end range, right? So in your end range, you're not able to access your stuff, right? Your mechanoreceptors, your like all that tissue, all the strength, you're not able to engage the squeeze in your extreme end range of position. Um, and, and that's typically where we get injured, right? You get injured in the positions that you don't train. Okay. So the goal is not to be as, uh, as mobile as Hunter fitness. The goal is to be shrink your, you know, your window, uh, your gaps of active and passive ranges. So if you're still in this position, go ahead and scoot your left foot, you know, a couple to where you think you can lift off. Right. So go ahead and scoot it forward and then try and lift off that right ankle again. Now you may, you maybe have like, you know, guessed wrong again. You might've thought, well, I, I thought I had the range here, but again, you maybe weren't even to able to feel the inner right thigh stuff, right? That, that part of the, the, your body that's supposed to, you know, access that hip work. Now scoot your left foot as far out as you can, even straighten your leg. All right. And then lift it off. Now that's your active range of motion. You can see the difference in the disparity between active and passive ranges again. So your your active range will never be as good as your passive. Okay. It's just science. Right. But if we can close the gap, like if you have, and again, you can't see it cause it's a podcast, but if you have like, uh, I don't know, like a, a huge gap in your, in your range. And then over a couple months, that gap, you know, shortens and you have less of a gap between your passive and active range using this example of the hip, then you improved your usable functional capacity and your ability to access that tissue for that hip in that position. So it it all boils down to awareness. You know, how in tune are you with your body that you can get it to do what you want it to do? And, and, And that's really the power of doing mobility training is that you are tracing every little surface area of that joint capsule and getting it to be as healthy and mobile as you can. Um, and you have the awareness because you take each one of your joints through their full range of motion. Um, so explanation. So like for, for people who aren't familiar with mobility training, so, you know, the, the kind of the foundation of it, uh, with doing, um, you know, joint mobility is, it's called cars controlled articular rotations. And that's where you take every single joint in your body, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, everything in between, and you take it through its full range of motion. 
Um, so uh, there's, there's countless videos that you can see on Instagram, uh, you know, kind of displaying this, but it's important to be able to have someone kind of guide you through it, whether that's through a video or in person or, you know, a program or whatever, just so you can really understand the, you know, the fine tuning and the cueing of, you know, how you're supposed to move that joint. And the cool thing about it is that once you get this, you know, the, the sequence down, you, you have it down and you, you become way more informed of how your body should move. Okay. And, and it's all information too. So if you learn that, like, Oh man, I got like really crummy range of motion in my left shoulder. Perfect. <laughs> you know, now you, now you know that, and now you know where you're deficient, right? You're much, much, much more informed. And when, when you go to the clinician, when you go to your massage therapist, when you go to get trigger point, when you go to see your chiropractor, you can say, Hey, my shoulder, when it comes into overhead flexion, I tend to get a lot of lumbar. Like you're just way more informed of how your body is connected and how it works. Um, right. And it's, uh, it, it's powerful. Like it, it takes, it takes the individual um, and it, it, it educates them and it empowers them with something that they can do every single day, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you just improve the capacity and the quality of your life. It's, it's extremely powerful. And like, that's the thing that really helped me is that I dealt with loads of back pain in, in my past and mobility training was a tool to, to help me feel more in control. Like, Hey, this is something I can actually do and it actually helps and I can do it all the time. And that was really, really empowering for me. Right. So Cole's notes on that flexibility is a be, the ability to have a joint be moved. Mobility is the ability to actively move your joint. And really what mobility training is at its essence is learning how to control your body. Right. Exactly. Like you wouldn't be ripping around in a car if you didn't know how to drive one. And yet most people are out there doing their high intensity interval training without even having the fundamental base control over their parts. And then they wonder, Oh, how did I get hurt? Well, I don't know. You don't even know how to control your body. Yet you're thrashing yourself around at high velocity under load. I don't know exactly. if anyone should expect that to end well. Yeah. The problem is that people don't. And like you said, with cars, like it's a, a self-assessment and being self-aware of what you have and what you don't have and what you might need to work on in order to gain that control so that your fitness practice is not risking your joint health. That is the fundamental awareness gap that I don't think um, it's certainly not being covered in the world of health um, in terms of health professionals. Like I know, like it's hilarious to look back at what I learned in physio school and I graduated in 2015. So this isn't like decades ago. And basically all we're taught how to do is assess for the most part, passive range of motion, like get someone lying on a bed and see how much their parts move. And all you're measuring there is flexibility, right? How yeah. much can I move this person's parts? And the weird thing is we don't spend our entire lives lying on a bed. So why are we assessing people passively when their problem fundamentally is a movement problem is a mobility problem. And I think that's part of the awareness gap is like, even if you have a problem, you go to a health professional, they really zone in on the part that's having that's that you're getting pain in, which oftentimes isn't even the part that's the problem causing the pain. So it's right. a very like weird way of dealing with things. And I think it's just, we need to update the information that health professionals are learning so that we can learn more pragmatic ways of re-empowering people to become more self-aware instead of just, you know, listening to what the so-called quote unquote experts are telling them what to do. Yeah. And you know, I, I think that's changing. I think a lot of physios, yeah. chiropractors, massage therapists, strength coaches, mobility coaches, like we are like, you know, becoming more informed and empowered and, and empowering, you know, the individual to do so as well. I think like the bloated, like, um, you know, whole, and, and that's a whole nother conversation, like the university setting and stuff. I, I think it's like such a, you know, by the time you get the textbook or that lecture, like it's already two years old, you know, and it, it's no fault onto their own. Like it's, it's this accreditation system, but you know, as you jump through the hoops you need to jump through, I think it's important for, you know, the, the individual physical, physical therapist or the individual chiropractor, or the individual athletic trainer or personal trainer, whoever you are to take it upon yourself to, to learn from the experts who are in the field and doing stuff and testing stuff and getting data that isn't necessarily done in a double blind study and waiting for, you know, funding of research and taking three years to get the data. Like they have their own testing within their facility. And I think that that's powerful. And, you know, um, 
a couple of things I want to kind of talk about with, you know, mobility training too, is that, you know, you want to, you want to be a human first and an athlete second, you know, and I think that's super important to understand because a lot of people and myself included when, when I was younger, um, you know, you just think like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push for this. I'm going to push for this time. Like when I was a swimmer and, oh, I'm going to just, you know, clean and jerk this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do these sprint sets and you're not actually taking the time to slow down, uh, and, and think about like, okay, what is my task? What am I actually trying to improve? And do I have like the shoulder range of motion to do this? Um, and you know, the, the other thing with that is, and I saw a really good post on Instagram, uh, and it was, you know, one of, uh, an FRC mobility, um, specialist and can stretch instructor like myself. And they posted a picture of their ankle running during trail running. Right. So it was perfect because like you have this like ankle and it's stepping on this, like, m like muddy trail with like tree roots and stuff. And the ankle is totally like rotated inward and you're getting this lateral stack on the ankle. And it's like, you see that and, and people probably think like, that's a rolled ankle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you think of like, okay, well, well now they're out. Right. But you know, again, you, you get injured in the positions that you don't train. Cool thing about mobility training is it takes you into every conceivable position that you could have that joint go into. So in a sense, you are exposing your system to force in that position, you know, in that vector, and you know how to deal with force. Again, you know how to deal with handling load in that position because you go there under force under a self-imposed isometric right so so that's the beauty of that type of training so when you are trail running and you're you know delivered you know movement variability and then you're like oh shit i'm in this position you're gonna have a higher capacity so what may have just uh you know rolled your ankle and you know you can be fine and keep running it may have decimated someone else's ankle, you know, and, and totally torn like ligaments and or tendons or whatever. And, and that's the difference. You have an increased capacity. You have an increased resiliency because you are doing highly specified strength training. Like think of like, it's, it's essentially, it's no different than strength training. You are basically just doing strength training for your joint capsule, for your tissue and the deepest level, the deepest connective tissue in your body and it's like going in with a scalpel and then doing sets and reps in there, you know, it's, it's really powerful stuff. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it it's simple at its core, but it, it's amazing how it translates into, to sport or, you know, positions and, and, and how you deal in those positions. Yeah. And I think even to rewind, you know, I think people just assume, and I used to see this all the time when I was practicing physio is like people assume joint stiffness comes from age but joint stiffness comes and joint stiffness. And I would argue even degeneration come from disuse, not mm -hmm. aging. Yep. Right. Like if you, I've seen nine-year-olds that can go down drop down into a squat, like it's like, like it's nothing. And I've also seen 30 year olds that can't even squat below parallel and fall on their ass. Dude, and it's, so it doesn't match up. It's crazy. So it makes me think I'm laughing right now. Um, so, uh, uh, my wife's, uh, grandmother lives in Arizona and we go and visit her like every year. And, uh, the last time that, well, the last time that I saw her, um, I, I didn't go up this last time cause I was in Costa Rica, <laughs> but, um, but the time I was there, she, she has this problem of like not really listening to us. And we say, you shouldn't get up on stools. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so she, here she is, uh, I, I think she can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she's like in her late eighties, maybe Yeah. Probably late eighties, like 88, 89 or something like that. And I mean, she's so, mobile and spry and she goes dancing like five days a week and walks yes. all the time like just super super healthy and the i'll never forget like she was standing up on the stool like and like a like a bar stool to get something from this top cover and she's like four foot nothing like she's super tiny you know um and probably not four feet but like you know very very tiny and we have a video of it and she is she has more hip flexion mobility than like any of the climbers that I climb with that are like, you know, consider themselves like crushers, you know, 20 <laughs> and she's up there and I'm just like, Oh my God. And, and like, so we took a video as like kind of to shame her, like, Hey, please don't do this. <laughs> then when she stepped down, like her hip flexion was unreal. Like it was, it was so high. Like it was just crazy. And then she just steps down like, it's no big thing. And I'm like, yeah, 
like because she uses her range of motion on a regular basis because she doesn't listen right. to us and stands on stools in her late eighties. Like, you know, but, but that's the thing. Like you, you said it perfectly. If you don't use it, you lose it. And it's funny because I guarantee she's not doing some big wacko mobility session like once a week to get that. She just exactly. like the little things you do every day are significantly more impactful than the big things that you do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And people, I, I just think we have this mentality that we can just push through and, and like, Oh, well, I didn't do any mobility work. I'm going to do a big session on the weekend. It's like, well, that's not going to be as impactful. It's going to exactly. be way more uncomfortable. It's going to be, it's going to require way more motivation and effort, which might be better used elsewhere. And it's not going to be as impactful if you just did a little dose every day. And more importantly, which I think we should get into next, maybe the way you're living or the positions you adopt during the day are actually working against your goals that you might have in your mobility practice. hundred percent, man. That's yeah, the we, biggest thing I see. Yeah, we can definitely riff on that. And I, I can equate like the, oh, I didn't do anything for like the whole week. So let me like cram in a two hour mobility training session. It's the same mindset of like, oh, I ate like total shit during the week. So let me crush like the massive kale salad and I'll be good. You know, it's like, no, you're going to be real gassy and feel awful. And like, <laughs> like yeah. but, yeah, but that's the thing, you know, and I, I, I think you, you said it too, is that, hey, I don't think that, you know, her grandmother is doing a, you know, a dedicated mobility practice. And that's true but she doesn't need to because like she's moving in variable positions and getting down into a squat. Like I've seen her get down and get a pan, like from a lower cabinet, like in a deep squat, I've seen her do like crazy things. And I'm just like, yep, you're, you're moving, you're grooving, but it's mobility training is really to kind of supplement the, the shitty lifestyle that we, we live in terms of like sedentary, you know? And, and, and that's the big thing too, is that, you know, I don't care if people, like exercise as much as I care as if people are moving, you know, because if you are like an active sedentary person, what I mean by that is if you go to the gym seven days a week, let's say, you know, you're, you're, you're a gym hero, you know, no one, no one's a gym hero right now, unless you have like a, an awesome home gym, but you know, we can talk more about, about that and what that means. But let's say, you know, in in normal times uh, that you're going to the gym seven days a week, for an hour, you know, let's even say, you know, for two hours, you know, if you're really crushing it, but if you are just sitting for the rest of the day, the two hours that you're doing seven days a week is not going to counteract the, the position, like the, the, the environment that you're putting your body in and the seated position for the rest of the day. Like, it's just, it's just not going to impact it. And yeah, you well, works the other way. The yeah. sitting actually impacts the workout that you do and makes you makes it, it often turns your turns your workout into an injury risk factor instead of something that actually benefits you, which, you know, I hate telling people not to exercise, but it's like, if you don't have, if you don't own fundamental movement positions and then you're going and loading them and doing reps under fatigue, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Like mm-hmm. exercise is not good for you in that case. And you need, you have some prerequisites that you have to have to accomplish before you go out and, and try and do all these fancy things that you have no business doing. And it's the unfortunate part is there's a lot of money to be made in rehab and in healing injuries. And so the focus is not actually, well, here's how to not have the injuries happen. The focus is, well, let's get you better. Mm-hmm. And then I'll see you in two months again when you get injured again, because we never actually dealt with the root cause of the problem because we didn't actually talk about the fact that your lifestyle is working against your fitness goals, your mobility goals. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is like you said, mobility work, dedicated mobility work is a supplement. And a lot of people recognize the word supplement from the nutrition world, where if you're deficient, if your diet isn't getting a certain nutrient, you have to take a different, like an exogenous form maybe like a a vitamin or something to supplement that nutrient. Mm -hmm. But the goal with supplements is always to stop using them right? Is to get that nutrient in your natural diet so that you don't have to keep taking that supplement, right? The goal, if you look at mobility work as a supplement, you can take it initially in order to get back to restore, like in order to restore some mobility that you might've lost. But if you're having to do mobility every day to maintain that mobility, maybe you need to focus on getting more nutrients in your day-to-day life so that you don't have to keep taking the supplement. Maybe you need more movement and, and to use your joints to a fuller capacity during the day so that you don't have to constantly be doing the mobility work because, you know, I I just think it's this really weird carousel that people are on. It's like, I stiffen myself up. I do the mobility work. I stiffen myself and it's like perpetual. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't think people realize that like our bodies are not designed to get stiff. 
they are designed to work extremely efficiently without having to do like cavemen didn't do mobility work, right? There's nothing wrong with cars, but I don't think hunter gatherers are doing cars to make sure they can go out and hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it, it's totally true. And you know, that that's the thing is that, you know, when you are doing this type of training, like, because you are actually engaging your tissues in these positions, like you're, you're going to start to have, and a lot of people call it like cold mobility. So it's like, if I were to wake up and, you know, my alarm was, you know, didn't go off and I had to run to catch a bus somewhere, you know, I could just hop up, you know, toss on my hair, fix it, and then run to the bus. And I've, I've done that in the past, you know, and, and it's fine because like, again, like I take my body through its four range of motion. I've been there. I've done that. You know, it's, it's acclimated. It, it, you have that relationship with that space and, and you're good to go, you know? And I, and I just think that, yeah, that, that's the importance of it. Whereas, you know, in, in hunting gathering times, like you are actually, up and running, you are doing persistent hunting. You are, you know, in a squat for hours, you're, you're standing, you're, you're reaching, you're doing all this stuff that we just don't have built into modern society. So really mobility training is giving you that conduit to like, make sure that you internally rotate your shoulder and internally rotate your hip and do it in extension and in flexion. Like it's preparing your body and then to go and use that. And, and that's the thing too, is you have to have a lifestyle and like things and the reasons as to why you're doing this. Like if you're just like, Oh, I want to improve my, my mobility. Okay. Why? If right. You don't have that. Why you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Like as simple as it is, as little time as you need to spend on it, you're just not going to do it. Um, you know, and if you don't like for me, the why is so, and, and again, I'm like dying to rock climb, but so I can rock climb and stay resilient mm -hmm. so that I can, stay healthy for running. And I run so that whenever I get the chance to go to like the Swiss Alps, we can, we can hike and I am not winded and I'm strong and, you know, I can go all day. Like that, that's my why I want to be able to hike and climb and run until I'm in my eighties. Like that, that's super, super important to me so that I can travel and enjoy myself and not be hung up on pain or injury or, you know, anything like that. So you have to be able to define your why and it doesn't have to be as, you know, intense as that it can just be like <laughs> i want to be able to play with my kids at a drop of a hat and not be in pain i want to be able to travel you know and sit in a car for three hours and not get out and feel like total garbage you know like right. you just need to understand and define like what your why is yeah and i think a good why for almost everyone is a good why for mobility work is to maintain articular health and longevity like who doesn't want to have parts that move without pain Mm -hmm. Right. Like I don't, it's weird that we've just kind of accepted that cutting, slopping off heads of bones and putting metal ones in is now the new norm. Slopping. So crazy. I take an, I take an observer's look at this sometimes. And, you know, and I worked in the sport medicine facility, um, in London, I, I saw the amount of hip replacements and joint replacements that were happening and the age of people who are having these things done. I saw a 40 year old with bilateral hip replacement. This person was considered quote unquote active. Yeah. It's like, we need to reassess how the hell we got to where we are and why we're replacing parts. Cause guess what? The new parts, they don't work near as well as, as what, what comes stock. Mm -hmm. And by shaving off what comes stock, you have this whole other slew of problems that comes after the fact, right? You got to get those parts replaced. All the muscles that attach don't have the data from all the capsule um, and all these bits that are part of our joints that are these insanely advanced self-healing ball and sockets that we require and, and are designed to function perfectly until we're like 90 or a hundred. And yet we have just assumed that they're designed to fall apart and that the human body's flawed. And it's this weird, like, I don't know, it's this weird ego thing that humans have where we think we know better than millions of years of evolution because we have, you know, technology. And totally. it's, it's like super strange. And I think, you know, I had a, an older patient one time and, uh, or actually, no, it was Mike's patient. And I saw her, I think once, and I was like, she was coming in and she was like, I want to get stronger. And I was like, well, why do you want to get stronger? Like this lady was possessed. She was super motivated and she was mm -hmm. fairly old. She was in her mid seventies. She's like, I want to get stronger. Cause I never want to, I want, I never want to be the person people have to help up. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. like, that's a damn good reason. She's like, also, I want to be able to help my friends up if they can't get up. I was yep. like, wow, this lady's got a laser focused 
you know, why. And that's why she's here every day working her ass off because she finds a deeper sense of meaning in why she's doing this shit. She's not just doing it because her doctor told her to, or her kids told her to. She's like, I want to do this shit because I never want to have to require help. I want to be independent in my life. And mm-hmm. yep. I think that's a pretty damn good why for all of us to be able to adopt is like, just be able to be good at humaning for the rest of your life. That's totally. not too big of an ask. Yeah. And you know, I want to put a pin in something too, because, you know, I think it's important to know that like, even if you've had a joint replacement, you can still be resilient as hell and, yes, and functional as hell. Like I, I've actually had a client, uh, Joelle, shout out to Joelle punk rocker. Um, so she, uh, she had a hip replacement and, you know, we worked one-on-one, uh, I gave her some online work, uh, she, and she was just a beast. Like she's a, she's a dancer, a yoga teacher, like a mobility nerd, like specialist and just, you know, she put in the work and it's incredible to see how much control and range and just owns it like a badass. And, you know, it's, it's really inspiring to see and like still has the, like the snappiness and like doing like, you know, quick little, you know, sachets and like, she'll probably like correct me on that, but like, you know, like internally rotating the hip and just like, you know, real snappy and real like full of control and vigor. And it's just like, yeah, like you can put in the work and still, you know, and, and I know that she probably wishes that she had done that work, the mobility work way before, but you know, life, life is what it is. And, and when, whenever you are on the path, whether it's like figuring out mobility or like, you know, finally getting into med- meditation at 40 or whatever, like right. whenever you hit the part of your path, when you, you start to learn these important things that can help you is when you learn them. And there's still loads and loads of benefit because the human body and tissues and cells is extremely adaptable. If you just tell it what to do, you know, the whole neuroplasticity, you know, it's just like, you just have to sets and reps give it information, send it the signal and your body has the incredible capacity to change. And that, I right. think that's just really, really cool stuff. But yeah, I mean, if Great you do, point. if you do it sooner, you'll be better for longer, but, <laughs> but the that, only motion is forward and you're right. Yep. The, the body is insanely adaptable and you know, um, if you give it the right nutrients, it knows exactly what to do. You don't have to tell it anything. You just have to let it do its thing. And like, we, we sometimes forget that our bodies naturally heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we, it's easy to forget that and think that you have to do everything to make sure your body works well. It's like, not really. You just have to not mess it up. You just have to not do shit that makes it work. Not well. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's the good stuff automatically. Totally. Uh, another thing I want to kind of throw, throw in is, um, you know, uh, is the concept of prerequisites. You know, we talked about human first athlete second, we talked about passive and active. Um, but I want to talk about prerequisites and, and, and again, this comes back to your why, right? So people like, I get the question, well, well, how much shoulder range of motion should I have? How much hip range of motion should I have? And the answer is it depends. You know, like what is your task? Someone who's in Cirque du Soleil is going to need a whole hell of a lot more range of motion of their spine and their hips and their shoulders than, you know, Gary, who wants to play tennis at 50, you know, like, it's just, it, it's totally different, right? Mm-hmm. What is the, what is the task and like, what range of motion do you need for particular joints? Right? Like, you know, and when I'm assessing someone, if I'm working on them, we, we have a conversation like, Hey, what do you do? What are you into? What, what are you working on? Like, what do you want to be able to do? And, you know, if I'm working with like a CrossFit athlete or someone who's doing like I've been working with a couple like, uh, like aerial silks, you know, like someone who is like climbing up in the silks and doing drops or like working on a bar or a hoop. And, you know, if I'm assessing their shoulder, obviously they need a lot of flexion, but they also need a lot of shoulder extension because if they don't have shoulder extension, like think of yourself like doing a dips or pushups, right? If you, if you have shoulder extension, if your arms at your side and then you try and bring your shoulder back behind you, if you have like, minimal lift and you can't really get far back there. You can't even access or squeeze that tissue to get into shoulder extension. Then what happens is you can't get out there actively. So then you're forced to get there passively. And now you're in what I like to call like no man's land because you're just kind of flopping in the wind and you don't know how to engage the tissue that needs to be engaged to give your shoulder that stability in that position. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, and that's where people get injured. So if I'm assessing someone who needs to have, shoulder extension because they need to be able to do essentially a muscle up, then I'm going to have to build in that shoulder extension and make sure that they own that range, or at least again, close that gap between passive and active ranges. So they're just more resilient. And you know, that that's the important stuff you have to be able to kind of ask, like, 
what do you want to be able to do with your body? Okay. Well, if you want to do that, then you need this of your hip, you need this of your shoulder and you don't have it. So let's get you it. Right. Like a friend of mine asked me that the other day, he was like, how much hip mobility do I need? And I was like, well, all of it, (laughs) all of it. That's a good answer. What do you do with your hips? What is the thing you would do with your hips that would require the most range of motion? You should have slightly more than that. Yep. Yep. And then, so that you have a buffer buffer. in in case you get in some sketchy position, you have, you have some capacity. And I, I think the key is just like something like cars. All you're doing is generating data in these limited, the limits of, of the hip capacity so that your brain at least can acknowledge those positions as familiar and has a strategy of how to deal with that position. If it ever gets encountered either on purpose or by accident, mm-hmm. right? Cause if it doesn't have a strategy, that's when your brain freaks out and yep. whether or not you actually do structural damage, if the brain's like, well, we just went into somewhere real sketchy and maybe we could injure ourselves. So let's just pile on all the recruits, fire all the muscles, fire all the pain and make sure this human knows you're not supposed to be doing this shit or you have to earn the right to do that. And I think it's just, Cause you're right. It's like more mobility is not the goal. Enough mobility is the goal. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you don't have a good understanding of what you're using your body for on a regular basis and what mobility is required to do those things, it's very hard to get clarity and, and find meaning in what you're working on because you're just like, well, I think I'm doing the right stuff, but I don't really know what I'm working towards or why I'm doing this. Exactly. And that's where the motivation can easily wean. If you don't have a why or a purpose, it's like, you need that. And that, that's really what lets you know when you get to the end point and lets you know how to reassess yourself to make sure you're staying at that end point where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, um, another couple of like, uh, concepts I want to go over. I'm just kind of looking at my list, making sure I'm hitting the points on like, you know, important stuff on like defining mobility training and, and kind of the concepts. Um, and one of the main things too, is being able to establish rotational capacity over linear. Right. And what I mean by that is like, let's say someone has really, really tight hamstrings. Right. And they're like, Oh, I can't go into hip flexion like that. Um, so a lot of times people will just stretch and stretch and stretch until the cows come home and they're not any more flexible, any more mobile than they were before they started. Um, and, and a lot of times they're just trying to hit the very, um, superficial stuff, right. The stuff that is closest to the skin. So they're like, Oh, I'm trying to release this muscle. I'm trying to foam roll it. I'm trying to stretch it. Whereas if you actually, got deeper and deeper and deeper into like where the motion happens, like where, you know, the capsule meets the bone and where that type of motion is actually occurring. Then if you can like really improve how that functions at the deepest level, you're going to improve your, your whole movement quality and your whole movement capacity. So that's why like mobility training really focuses on trying to establish rotational capacity because the cool thing is, let's use the example of the shoulder. Like if you have poor overhead shoulder flexion, right? So you, you, you try and lift your head, your, your arm overhead to try and get into like an overhead squat, um, you know, or, or handstand or something like that. But if you try and lift your arm and then all of a sudden, you know, your back starts to arch, like you have pretty limited, you know, overhead flexion. So instead of just stretching overhead flexion, like instead of just, you know, going up to a, a, a wall and then, you know, getting that lat stretch and trying to just get yourself in that position. If you actually just worked on assessing, okay, what's my internal rotation of the shoulder? What's my external rotation? And you'll probably find that one of those two are pretty limited. And if you actually just work on acquiring more rotational capacity, cool thing is, is that a lot of times that linear deficiency just goes away. And it's, 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 it's cool because then you don't have to like just stretch and stretch and stretch. And then, you know, not really get the returns that you're looking for. You can actually just, you know, pestle and mortar, you know, make some good old shoulder guacamole and your shoulder improves. And it's, it's really, really cool. And again, too, like I, people ask me, you know, if you're going to head to toe assessment, like, well, you know, is this because of this or is that because of that? And I always say like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, because I don't. And the thing is, you know, the body is extremely complex. It's connected within these like really intricate fascial lines. And it's just, it's really, really cool stuff. But again, I don't even claim to begin to understand to know how all that stuff is interconnected, but I do know that. I don't think you need to know either. Exactly. And that's the cool thing. And that's why I love like mobility training and the work that we do at TFC. It's just, we just simple it down and, and say, you should understand these things and make your shoulder work like a shoulder, make your hip work like a hip. Hey, your lumbar spine can segment. Maybe it should be able to segment, you know, and then just look at those things on that level, make them 
work better, you know, make them more functional and, and just be able to move in the range of motion that they should be able to for your task. And the cool thing is that like a lot of things just start to get better and, 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 and movement is just easier. So it's not like, Oh, let me release the, the, the QL and, and I have tight hip flexors and I need to work on this and strengthen that. It's like, no, let's just get strong everywhere in every position, build up resiliency. And then stuff just works better. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And I, you know, mobility and like health is a long game. You got to play the long game. If you play anything else other than that, it's not going to go, it's probably not going to go well. It's going to be very frustrating. Mobility is also a long game, right? It's a combination of many things done right over a lifetime to give you access to positions that you have used and have exposed your body to. And I think our short-term mindset, it's like, Oh, I got tight hamstrings. So I want to have them loose by next week. It's like, well, it doesn't work like that. You know, <laughs> I put it on my calendar. It should be there. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a reminder of my phone. So it's going to happen. Right. Like, yeah. Well, if you spend two decades working every day to stiffen your hips, you're not going to get the mobility back in a week, but you are going to improve every single day you work on it. And more importantly, you're going to improve significantly faster if you eliminate what caused you to lose it in the first place. And that's where this whole concept of, you know, like I used to do a lot more mobility, targeted mobility work than I do now. I do some cars in the morning for my hips, but I've tried to find out a way, how can I do as how can I consume as few supplements as possible? And I realized that by taking, literally removing chairs from the office and from my house and by trying to work on positions I want to achieve by putting them into my daily repertoire of positions that I automatically adopt, I don't really have to do a whole lot of supplementation. Once I've achieved, you know, if, if a joint is really far off from where it needs to be, yes, some cars, some daily cars. And I want to, right after this, I want to talk about the parallel of brushing your teeth because I think that's a powerful one. But if you make your lifestyle, the way you live in the positions you adopt during the day, your mobility work, then you don't have to supplement as much. And I think it's really just a numbers game. It's like, how much time do I spend in this position? If I spend enough time there, I own that position. And maybe there's some end range strengthening you have to do, but there's really not as much work to do if your lifestyle is your mobility practice. So I think totally not everyone's going to get there overnight, but everyone can get closer to that every single day. I mean, it's the same thing with like shoes and feet. Like it's the same principle. It's like, what environment are you throwing yourself into? Are you sitting in a chair? Are you sitting in a car? Are you sitting on the couch? Are you sitting, like, are you sitting all the time? And then just hoping that mobility training is going to fix how your body moves and feels. I mean, it it, it just won't. And that's the same thing too, is like, Hey, I do an hour of foot mobility every day. And then I throw on like my, my Nike dunks and it's like, okay. Like, you know, like you could do, you could do three hours of foot mobility. You <laughs> yeah. Know, you're doing six you're, hours of foot immobility. Right. So. Exactly. Like you're just, you're, you're, you're not removing the source of, you know, the, what, what's causing you the stiffness and the pain. And right. like, that's the, that's the cool thing with like wearing barefoot shoes um, is that, you know, that is one of the best ways to strengthen your feet and to improve your foot mobility and, and just build a strong foundation is just give your feet, an environment where it can get more stimulus, more like, Oh, I felt that twig. I felt that acorn. I felt that change in the cement. I felt that clumpy grass. I felt everything. Right. And now you're just getting more nutrients, more movement variability into those 33 joints in your foot. And, and that's how you improve it because now you have to spend less time doing crazy amounts of, you know, rolling at your feet, doing all this stuff and, and strengthening. Whereas like you're getting strength training throughout your whole day, in your feet, you're getting that movement variability. So it's the same thing in your body. If you re-engineer your environment to work for you, as opposed to against you, you're going to have to do less mobility work because you're not stuck in the same static position the whole time. So it's like, I mean, like I'll probably continue to do mobility work for every day for the rest of my life, you know, but it's the same thing with, you know, you're just trying to build in that safety net for the positions that you don't normally get into, right? Like, I think it's important to be able to, you know, change up your positions and do the things, but when in a given day, am I going to go into shoulder extension and internally rotate my shoulder and generate force there? Probably not too often. So it's just, again, building in that, that system and that input, getting you into that position and, and getting force in there. And, the, the one thing too, we, we talk a lot about cars. Um, 
if you dive deeper into the mobility rabbit hole, um, there's a whole slew of other different types of like, I wouldn't say train, but just like inputs. Right. So if you've ever been in FRC or can stretch, like you hear a lot of acronyms like pales and rails. So, you know, the, the stands for progressive angular isometrical loading and regressive angular isometrical loading. So essentially what it means is you're taking yourself into position and then you're generating a push and you're generating a pull. And so Nick, you had talked about like for, for joints that are just kind of like way off. Like if your knee can't internally rotate at all, or your hip can't internally rotate at all, or your shoulder can't rotate, you're going to need to be able to, to get in there. And doing cars is a great way of like daily maintenance. You know, like we, we talk about like brushing your teeth. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But if you're, if your joint really needs some work, you're going to have to put in some higher level force in there. And that's what pails and rails are. So pails and rails are kind of like, uh, the ice pick for not frozen joints per se, but I, I like metaphors. So I think like you're just getting in there and just like ice picking away at like, you know, frozen stuff, but it, it is essentially more highly specified strength training to that specific area. And, and the cool thing about like isometrics is that they've been around for a long time they're super portable. You don't need any extra equipment and it's, it's very hard to get injured by your own body, you know, generating that force. So like right. isometrics, isometrics are safe. They're evidence-based, they're portable. You always have them on you and it's, it's pretty empowering to just know that. So basically if you don't have internal rotation of your hip, you'll go into internal rotation, go into your end range, passive range and then you generate a push so that you're in there and then you're pushing against the resistance. So that side of the tissue is getting engaged. You're generating force. It's starting to cultivate awareness on like how to actually move and generate force in that position. And then the rails, you're pulling yourself into a deeper range of motion actively. Okay. So basically you're going into end range position where you might not have as much control or awareness. You're pushing, you're proving you own it, you're pulling you're proving your own it. So it's a direct communication from that joint space back up to your brain saying like, Hey, I can own this because I can push and I can pull. And, and that's the really cool thing about pails and rails is that, you know, you're, you're going to start to own that range of motion because you're proving to your body that you can. And I think, you know, when you get into pails and rails, I mean, these are deeper concepts and topics and, and tools that I think um, are best discovered by either doing an FRC course or by working one-on-one -on -one with, with someone who is a mobility specialist totally. like yourself where, you know, but I, I really feel that the prerequisite of having being familiar with cars and having this process of self-discovery and exploration of your current level of mobility, where it's painful, where it's clunky, where it's crisp gives you way more information to be prepared with when you do talk to a mobility specialist. And especially in the new world we live in where more things are going to be done uh, by through distance, right? Through to like digitally. And also this is, you know, it's one of these things where like Liv was having issues um, with, I can't remember, with her skin, I believe. Um, and she couldn't find anyone in Ottawa to help her out. Like no one, none of the doctors or like people here could seem to figure this out because they just didn't have the information and they didn't care enough. She wasn't, she didn't have a big enough problem for them to actually look into it. So she found some guy in Australia who was like the guru of skin conditions and, and understanding the hormonal balances and stuff like that and scheduled a consult with him. And guess what? In two hours in the first call, he demystified and clarified everything for her. So when you're looking for the best humans that are most obsessed in a niche that you're having problems with, you are no longer limited by your local, local area, right? You can find the best people in the world. You can reach out to them and you can pay them to get value and clarity. And I think, you know, being able to have this baseline understanding of how your parts move lets you reach out to the best person if you're continuing to have issues and they can give you, you know, especially with the creation of videos, like you're the mobility specialist for Beam Tribe, you've put videos of cars and self-assessment of the hip. Like you can give people all the tools and the work that you do one-on-one -on -one is really just to guide them on how to use the tools that you've made available for them. And 100%. I think that, you know, the average person probably doesn't need to know pails and rails or research them, but if they have done the cars, if they've done the baseline work, pails and rails make a whole lot more sense when you understand where they fit into the grand scheme of things. Oh, totally. And, and that, yeah, like underline that because that, that, that is the thing, you know, this is the, the stuff that you should 
be doing regardless. Like, you know, the, the daily cars routine head to toe 10, 15 minutes. Like that is like, before I work with someone, I, you know, that that's the video. I'm like, make sure you do this. If you do it a week, you know, straight. And then we have our session, then that's great. You're way more informed. You, you have a higher understanding of your body. And, and that's the thing too, like that, that it, it's the start of the practice, but again, it's, it's the most important part of the practice because once you, once you have that awareness and, and how things are, are moving and you have the joint prerequisites, you know, that, that, that's just, it, it can be just that. And you do that every day. And it's just, it's just part of your routine. It's part of my routine. And, you know, it's, it, it becomes a lot simpler, but yeah, I mean, and, and again, that's the power of the, the community that we have too. Like when you talk about like live kind of finding like a specialist to help with skin, like anytime I find someone who is like, Hey, I've got like this problem I've had in my foot for like nine years, I'm in excruciating pain. And like, can you help me? I was like, listen, you know, I can help maybe 80, 90% of people with like, you know, foot issues. But when you have like highly specific, highly like, you know, things that you've been dealing with that are chronic, I always refer to, you know, Dr. Courtney Conley or someone else within the, the TFC network, because again, like they're in like incredibly fascinated with like all the intricacies of the foot and like they get so nerdy and they've been doing this for 10 or 15 years. So when it's something above like my pay rate of understanding, then I'm like, (laughs) you need to like find a specialist. And that's the cool thing about it is that, you know, the network and the community that we're all a part of those people exist and they can provide insane value over video. And like, that's the thing too, even before this whole like quarantine and and COVID I had a a one-on-one assessment with, you know, Courtney and, you know, actually I think I had two sessions with her and it was fantastic. Like, you know, I I did a walking assessment and did like a couple other things. And she's like, yep, it's this. All right, let's do a million of these. You know, this is what you need. And I was like, okay, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) And she always like over prescribes because, you know, if I prescribe it, you know, a hundred reps, maybe you'll do 30, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So maybe the last thing to talk about is, well, two more things. I want to talk about cars because I think everyone, everyone can relate to the habit of brushing your teeth. Yep. And I want to find the dude that weaseled its way, his way into modern culture on behalf of the dental community and said, Hey, if you don't brush your teeth, your teeth are going to rot. So you should probably brush your teeth. It's really easy. Anyone can do it. It doesn't involve very much expertise and doing it every day will prevent you from your teeth rotting out of your mouth. Well, guess what? The exact same concept applies to joint health. You know, I wish there was a marketing company that did that for the dental community and said, Hey, if you don't move your joints every day, your joints are going to rot. Your joints are going to fall apart. Your joints are going to stop moving. They're going to rust and they're going to literally stop moving. And that it, it doesn't have to be this giant elaborate thing. Yes. The full body cars routine is the gold standard 10, 15 minutes every day. But guess what? If you start with one hip car for every day for 10 days straight, that is a good start because it's a hundred percent more than nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where these individual cars videos that you, that you recorded for beam tribe come into play is like, you can just start by piecing together the puzzle, right? You start with connecting one piece to the next one and you do that. And, and then when your lifestyle or when your commitment level is ready for the next step, well, then maybe you do two hip cars, mm-hmm. maybe you do five hip cars and one neck car. Right. And before you know it, you're like, well, shit, now I can do 10 minutes a day and it's not something I have to go out of my way to do. It's just part of my life. Right. And so I think making it, you know, I'm listening to this um, audiobook by BJ Fogg called Tiny Habits right now, who's like the godfather of habits, right? Like James Clear learned from him. And I think that, I think taking BJ Fogg's behavior design course inspired him on his journey to writing Atomic Habits. But two things BJ Fogg says about when you're trying to build a habit, right? And in this context, talking about how do you build a mobility habit, like brushing your teeth, but for your joints, um, he says, shrink it. So if you want to do a 10 minute, uh, everyday cars routine, well, start with 30 seconds, start with one second. So shrink it. So that it's really small. Cause it's really easy to build on something small once it's already part of your part of your day. And then the second element is figure out where it fits into your day. Cause if you're just like, okay, I'm going to start really small with one hip car, but I'm just going to do it when I get a chance. You're probably not going to get it done. Yeah. It's not specific enough. Yeah, exactly. But if you're like, I'm going to do one hip car every time I make a cup of coffee, well, if you make coffee every day, you're going to do a hip car every day yep. and you have to couple habits you have to, and you also have to reward yourself in some way, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. Say, yes, I did my hip cars today. That might mean writing it down on a calendar or a journal or telling a friend, Hey, did you do your hip car? I did mine, right. you know, whatever it is. So shrink it, 
place it into your life and reward yourself when you do them uh, in some way, shape or form. And you will build habits so easily. And I see this all the time. Oh yeah, I tried to do a mobility practice, but I just, it, I just couldn't do it. I, I wasn't motivated enough. It's like, well, I don't think it was your fault. I think you just didn't take the right approach. Yeah. You, you, people, people bite off more than they can chew, you know? Um, and, and when they don't do it, they think like, Oh man, like I'm a piece of shit or like, Oh man, <laughs> like that. I'm just not good at this or oh, I, I'm just not organized not enough for it's yeah. And it's yeah. just like, let's just start, like give yourself the opportunity to actually have like a small win, you know? And if you do start with like, I'm going to do hip cars every time I make coffee, like, again, you don't have to do all the cars, but like, I'm just going to like pick the joint that needs the most love and, and just try and do that. You know, and, and that's the thing too, is that once you start to feel the benefit of it, cause like <laughs> that, when you start off, like you might, you might have some moans and groans and some, you know, cramping or some like crunchiness or some snap crackle and pop. Definitely will. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, oh man, like this isn't good for my shoulder. And you're like, no, it's just, you never have moved your shoulder in that way. So it's gonna be, like you said, like things rust, like things are going to be crunchy in there. And, and it's because it wasn't given the ability to have like nutrients taken into that joint capsule space. And that's the thing, like joint capsules don't have blood flow, like muscle and, and other, you know, connected tissue. So it's like, you need to be able to keep that healthy with movement. And if you're not getting the movement into every little nook and cranny of that joint capsule space of that tissue, then it's just not going to work as well. Like it's going to be a little bit more gritty, crunchy, whatever you want. Like, you know, you don't have to use like specific, like, you know, medical jargony terms. It's just like, it's not going to move and glide as well. Um, and so if you have that idea of like motion is lotion, then, you know, getting that motion in there, it, it's just going to move a lot smoother. It's going to feel a lot better. So yeah, you, you just need to like pick the area that you want to work on and then work on that area and then intrinsically feel the benefit of it. Like after some time, after a couple of days, weeks, months, and then you're going to be way more motivated. Cause like, Oh man, if my hip's better now, like, all right, let's, let's dive into the shoulder. Cause I know the shoulder's a little janky, you know? Right. And like, that's the thing you'll be more motivated to like actually tackle the bigger things. Um, but if you, if you're head on face on with like the idea of like, I got to adopt this whole new thing, then it can be very overwhelming. So just knowing yourself, you know, take it in bite-sized pieces, like dip a toe in, experiment with it. Um, you know, and, and just get, get acclimated to it. I think that's a really important factor of it. Yep. I agree. So probably, you know, moral of the story of this, of this episode on mobility is, you know, mobility is not just for the people doing, getting into weird positions or the high level athletes. It's for anyone who wants to have long-term articular health, long-term joint health for the rest of their lives. And it has more to do with how much you use your parts than your chronological age. Yep. There's no better time to start than right now. I don't care if you're 75 and you're, you're literally like the tin man and have zero mobility. Well, guess what? Tomorrow you can improve your mobility. And also what better time to work on your body than when you don't have to work anymore. Like we've, we've kind of left this blank spot where it's like when you retire, you sit and you mm -hmm. watch TV or you travel and drink margaritas sitting on a beach. It's like, that's, that's a really good time to work on your body so that it can actually bring you towards more and better years of, of the end of your life. You know what I mean? Like we, I don't know, people kind of throw in the towel really early when in reality, that's like the sweet spot for when, what better time to work on your health than when your health matters most. Exactly. Um, and, and that's the thing, man, like it, it, age is a number and age is a mindset, you know, and it, it's, I see it a lot. Like, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm 30 and, you know, I see people who are 30 or like late twenties or like around my age and they're like, Oh man, like I'm in my thirties. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like, like, what, why are you talking like you're some like old washed up Olympic athlete in their eighties? Like you, That's like so it's just bananas to me. And, and I think people, people have pain or injury or discomfort. And then they think like, well, this is it. This is, you know, this is the way it's, it's only going to get worse. And yeah. like that, that mindset is toxic and it's super dangerous. And, you know, but, but that's the thing, if you can have some guidance, if you can have, you know, someone teach you these things and, and start to learn, start to explore, like, you don't have to become like a mobility nerd. You can just like, just start to start to learn about your hip, start to learn about your shoulders, start to take a little bit of responsibility through curiosity and like saying like, Hey, can I actually improve this? 
and then start to just see for yourself and put the pieces together. And again, it might be a combination of things. Like I, I, I talk a lot about, you know, the importance of, you know, meditation, like, you know, like endurance training, like just being in tune with your cardiovascular system. Like as you get more into these things and you start to put the pieces together in a unique way that you do when you're ready, when, you know, based on your experiences, how you prioritize things, like whenever you start to put these pieces together, when you put them together at your own rate, you start to learn things in a different sequence than maybe the person next to you. And that's okay. And when you're ready and when you dive into it, then, then you start to like understand the importance of it. So it doesn't matter how you learn these things or when it's just, you know, that you learn it and that you start to explore more of like, you know, how your body works. And I think it's a really cool process and, you know, to not, to not scare people about this process. Like I don't like some people fear monger with, with, you know, you got to do this or this, you know, or this will happen to you. And I, I, I just think like, Hey, if it's important to you, you know, try it, you know, I'm here. If you have questions, we're here. If you have questions, you have a really, passionate community, you know, and within beam tribe, within the TFC, like all the foot nerds, like people within the mobility world, like FRC can stretch people within, you know, the foot health community, like you have all these people that care. And if you really want to dive into it, you know, you have people to bolster you through your journey and you don't have to kind of figure it out alone. You know, you can, you can, but if you need some added help, answer questions, or just have some support, there's tons of people for that. Well said brother. So brush your joints every day, start small, build some good habits. If you want to dive deeper, uh, Clayton's going to be creating a bunch, bunch of mobility, uh, tidbits and useful videos, tools, and awareness around the topic of mobility for beam tribe. And, uh, we hope that this podcast opened up your eyes to a broader perspective of mobility and how your lifestyle is actually your best mobility, um, work. And if you, if you align how you live and the positions you adopt every day with, the movements and positions that your joints are required to be exposed to, uh, you don't actually end up having to take as many supplements. So we hope you benefited from that and we'll catch you next week.